This is Ashley Stone, and you're listening to The Comeback Podcast. Okay, Amber, so excited to have you on the podcast. Um, So you sent me your story over email, and I loved it. And I'd love to hear just a little bit about you, like, you know, a little bit about your family and just you in general. So everyone has kind of some context for who you are before we jump into your story. So yeah. Yeah. So I am a mom of four boys. We have our older two are biological. And then our younger two, we just adopted last Friday. And what? Oh my yes. gosh. Congratulations. Thank you. We are so happy. Um, and you know, I'm, I'll get into more of that later, but yeah, we are just so blessed and so grateful. And me and my husband have been married for 10 years and yeah, it's been great. Awesome. Cool. Well, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into your story then. My parents, my mom, especially, she came from pioneer livestock. I mean, everybody, um, you can trace them all the way back. My dad, he was not a member of the church. He converted when he married my mom, when he was like 18 or 19, but he was never really super active. And my parents, I will say they have, you know, their own stories to tell. So I don't want to do that for them, but they had very rough childhoods. There was substance use and a lot of things. That's kind of a package deal, right? (laughs) There's a lot of things kind of come in with that. And they didn't have a lot of opportunities and resources that um, many other families might be able to have. And so they started their family young and I was the oldest of five children and there was substance use in our home. And so it made home kind of chaotic, um, a little unpredictable and, um, you know, could be a little scary sometimes. And I, I will say, I I love my parents so much. There's been a lot of healing and a lot of forgiveness on both sides, Uh, but yeah, it was kind of an unpredictable way to grow up. And I'm sure I'll get into this later as well, but I am so grateful for it. I would not take it back for anything, Mm -hmm. Um, but because my mom did kind of grow up being exposed to the gospel, she was able to have moments of peace. Um, She had moments where she had a testimony of the gospel and she could see Jesus Christ in her life. So whenever she could, she would bring all, all five of us kids to church with her. And I think I kind of took everything for face value at the time. Um, we weren't living the gospel a ton at home. Like sometimes my mom would wrangle us for scriptures and that was really hard to do. Mm-hmm. But I am so appreciative to her for that. But what I will say is when I went to church, I felt so loved. It was amazing. It did, I mean, everybody knew our situation. They, they knew our background. They knew what was going on. But when I walked into that building, I knew that there was going to be open arms to just wrap me up. Um, and I just, yeah, I felt so much peace there. I loved going to church as a child. If you are a primary teacher, do not ever discount what you can do for these kids. There were so many times that primary teachers, I'm sure it was really uncomfortable for them even, but would come to our house and we wouldn't answer the door and they would leave cookies on our doorstep. Or um, a priesthood leader would come to our home and offer my mom a blessing at the exact time that she needed it. And there was so much peace and goodness that came from that. And I think that all these people, they planted seeds and they're probably never gonna know the impact that they had on our family. 
um, one teacher in particular, I found out later she was battling cancer, but she would take me and my sister and let us stay the night at her house and give us these king size candy bars, which were a huge commodity. I mean, we were very poor growing up. So we would take it and we would just divvy it out. And we knew exactly how many pieces we had left <laughs> everything. But she spent hours teaching us the um, articles of faith. And of course, when we passed it off, she gave us these big gifts. Like we always felt so loved there. When I was 12 is actually when my parents kind of, they, they did have a lot of sacrifices. They wanted us to have a better life than they had. And from them, they would tell us like, you know, you're not going to do this when you're older, right? Like you're going to get an education. You are, you could do anything. You could do anything you put your mind to. And so when I was 12 is when my parents said, you know, we're not going to live like this anymore. We moved away from the substance use and we moved. So I grew up in Arizona. We moved to New Mexico. Moving to New Mexico as a 12-year-old was really hard. <laughs> that was a really hard age to move. And I was really, I'm sure everybody thinks that they were an awkward kid, right? But my memories, yeah, <laughs> I was such an awkward kid. And I had such low self-esteem. And to be completely transparent, like, honestly, that's something I still struggle with. For some reason, I have such an easy time sustaining our church leaders. And I have such a hard time knowing that God loves me. And that's just something like we all kind of have our struggles that we work through. If we had it all figured out, we wouldn't need God, right? (laughs) I was really struggling when we moved. I couldn't really find any friends that I felt comfortable with. And to top that off, when we tried to go to church in New Mexico, I mean, the gospel is the same everywhere, but it didn't feel like the people were. And I will say there's a good chance, you know, it's not a reflection on them. Like it could have just been my age. It's my preteen years. I was so angry and rebelling and maybe I didn't want them to reach out to me and they tried and I just didn't let them, but it never felt like home in the 10 years that I lived in New Mexico. I was actively just wanting to leave. I, I never liked it there. And then it was around that time that I started, I just refused to go to church anymore. I'm like, like they know our story too. And there's, there was parents who would tell their kids that they couldn't hang out with me and with my siblings. And it was really, really hard to swallow. And it how was, how old were you at this time? Like when you decided that you were going to stop going to church, how old were you? I was 12. Okay. It was really soon after we moved there that I just, I felt so uncomfortable and I don't know that I had like a super strong testimony at that time. Cause I had just kind of taken it at face value. And a lot of my testimony was in the goodness of others, like seeing Christ through others there. And so at this time, you know, we were probably all of us kids were refusing to go to church. We made it really hard on my mom. She wanted us to, but I mean, how do you do that? And I'll be the first to say I was not an easy kid. <laughs> I was really rough, but um, I got into a rough crowd. I felt like I was just looking for love and acceptance everywhere that I could. And I got in with this group that immediately I started toying with drugs and with alcohol. I was sneaking out all the time and my grades were dropping and there was just, that's just where I felt comfortable. And honestly, I think that some of it had to do, like I kind of grew up with substance use. And so I just thought, 
I can just stop whenever I want. Like it's, it's not going to be a big deal. And then when my mom found out that I was doing all this and it probably scared her because she knew that path that I was kind of heading down, I was under lock and key. My mom, she just, she wouldn't let me go anywhere. She wouldn't let me do anything. And she, I, I mean, if I had a daughter that <laughs> was doing all the things I did, I don't think I would know what to do either. Yeah, I would, I would probably, because I have a similar past and it's like, I think now all the time, what would I do if my kid was doing what I was doing? And I was, I think, yep, I'd probably do the same thing that my parents did. I'd probably <laughs> ship her off to, you know, <laughs> to I don't know. Like I, I, as a parent, it's like, what do you do? And even us that has been through it, we don't even know what we would have done, you know? No, it's so true. Um, yeah, I don't even know what would have been the best for me. But, um, at this time when my mom was like really laying down the law, I struggled so bad. I had, I felt like I was just completely cut off from everyone that I felt loved me, me and my mom were butted heads really bad. And with my dad as well, I just really, really struggled in my situation to where I got incredibly depressed. I would just stay in my room. It was really hard to get up in the morning. And then I started toying with self-harm and it got to a point where I just thought like, let me just do the easy thing for everybody. Like this would be so much better if I just took my life because that would be the selfless thing to do. Like I got to a point where I thought I am such a problem for everyone and I'm not even contributing anything. Like where's my worth here? And so um, at 13, I tried to end my life and I, um, I know looking back, like thinking of like my 13 year old nephew or whatever, like it just, it's such a young age but thankfully I wasn't successful and my mom was still just kind of losing her mind with me. She didn't know what to do. And right at this time, my angel aunt, so we have a huge family. And so she's actually my mom's great aunt, but she's younger than my mom (laughs) and her name is Tisha. And she called and to my knowledge, she never lived in the same town as we did. But I remember visiting her when I was a kid and I felt so loved and so cared for by her. And she called my mom and she said, I just felt like I needed to call you. And my mom just kind of laid it all out. She's like, I don't know what to do for Amber. She is a mess. (laughs) I really don't know what to do. Do I like send her into an institution? Like, what do I do? My aunt, to this day, it just blows my mind. She's like, come let her live with me. Mm -hmm. And she had five young kids at the time. I think the oldest could not have been more than nine or 10. And she was taking this like suicidal, gothic, like raging teenager into her home. And so my mom asked me if I wanted to move in with her. And I said, yes, absolutely. Cause nothing could be worse than what is going on right now. And it was also bringing me back to Arizona, not the same town, but it still kind of felt like I was going home when I moved in with her she just automatically, like I could feel that atmosphere at her home and it felt comfortable. Like I remember feeling, this is kind of like what church was when I went um, before. And I didn't, like I trusted her, but I didn't fully believe her for the longest time. I thought like when I saw her and her husband interact, when I saw her her with her kids, I thought this isn't real. Like I'm going to give them a few months and she's going to let her walls down and they're, you know, this is going to be what I'm used to. And 
it wasn't. And I remember after a little while just thinking, wow, like this is what I want my family to be. I'll do anything for this. And then um, that was actually the year that President Hinckley gave us the challenge to read the Book of Mormon by the end of the year. And so my aunt told me, she said, Amber, I bet I could read the Book of Mormon before you. And I said, there's no way. You have five little kids. There's no way you're going to read the Book of Mormon before me. So I started reading reading the Book of Mormon. Now, I had probably read like the first two chapters before, um, maybe little paragraphs here and there, but never, ever cover to cover. And I just started consuming it. And after I pushed through probably second Nephi, I could not put it down. I hated English class. And so I would like bring my Book of Mormon and put it in my English thing. And while they're reading Shakespeare, I'd read my Book of Mormon and I'd read it on the bus on the way home. And I got to a point where that's all I wanted to do. Like my aunt Tisha would have to come to the room and be like, Amber, come to dinner. It's time. You need to eat. And, um, and then I remember like, as I got towards the end, I thought I'm about to get to the end. I know I'm supposed to pray about it, but I already feel like this is true. Like I feel so good. I've never felt this good before. And so after I finished reading it, I did kneel down. I was like, you know, I'm going to do it anyway. So I knelt down and I prayed about it and I got that same feeling like this is true. This is real and so tangible. And thankfully, while I did live with her, I got some really amazing friends. My ward was amazing. I mean, they knew that I was just this random kid with way too much eyeliner that moved in with my aunt. And they took me in. Like, they loved me no matter what. And I remember even talking to that bishop. And I kind of, like, laid out everything that I had done. And he said, okay. So have a lot of other people. And it was just, it was so amazing to kind of have that um that understanding. Can I tell you something that is totally crazy? I have an angel aunt that I was totally strung out on drugs and she let me live with her in Arizona, in Mesa, Arizona, took me in and I was like so far from gone. And she just, her unconditional love is one of the things that I will never forget in my coming back to the church. And her example. And I even remember her challenging me to read the book of Mormon when I'm like really <laughs> strung out on drugs. She also had kids in her house and she knew she was bringing this drug addict girl into her home. And so let's just like give a shout out to the angel aunts out there that just like, like, I just, I find it so wild that you have a, like the same experience with an angel aunt that took a chance on you and saw you for who you were instead of all the the things on the outer shell. So it really is so amazing. I have thanked her so many times. She said like, you have no idea what you've done for me. And she, I think her and her husband just kind of brush it off and they're like, yeah, yeah. You know, we loved you. You did great things for us too. And I'm like, no, really you saved my life. Yep. Yes, totally. So, so good. I lived with her for a year. And at that time, that's when I kind of knew I needed to go home. I was in high school and I, you know, had to figure out where I was going to graduate from and all that. And it was just, it was just time. Like we both kind of knew. And so I moved back home and that was really hard. I still had a really difficult relationship with my mom and I just kind of fell back into the same thing. I didn't have, I wouldn't say I was as bad as I was before. I wasn't seeking out the drugs and the alcohol like I was before. Because before, I mean, 
I'd be walking in the hall and some kid would like offer me a pill and I'd just take it. Like I did not care. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point I was much, I was, I was a bit more cautious cause I was very academically minded. I wanted, I was actually going to college and high school at the same time, um, almost full time in college. Cause I was also getting high school credits for it. And I was working a lot. Um, and so I bought a car and I actually moved out right when I turned 18. So I hadn't graduated from high school yet, but I pushed my way through that and was, you know, still attending college. I bought my EMT license right out of high school and I worked as an EMT for a little bit. And at that time I was still, you know, doing drugs and alcohol. I feel like my testimony did wane a bit and I was going back to the same ward. So like I tried a few times and I still just did not feel comfortable there. And so I just stopped. It was about this time that I met my first husband. Um, he was in the Air Force. And what I am about to say, has this is not a reflection on the Air Force at all. I love our, our armed forces. Like, their service is incredible. And my experience with the Air Force was just phenomenal. Me and him got married. So he actually converted when he was like 18 or 19 and had since fallen away from the church. And so it was kind of nice having that same background. Um, And also I think that there was a part of me that was still looking for that self-worth and I wanted stability. I I wanted to have a good stable life and he really did have a good heart. We were married for two years, but two weeks after we got married, I found out that he had been cheating on me the whole time. And this continued. Yeah, it was crazy. He continued this for two years and I didn't tell anyone. I was so embarrassed. I was ashamed. I didn't want people to look at me differently or look at him differently. And I just like, I wanted this to work. And um, it was about this time that, you know, I didn't feel like I could reach out to anybody, but I wanted peace so bad. And I remembered the peace that I had felt in the gospel. And I don't know if it's just like those deep, pits that I have to get into to be like, Hey, do you remember, you know, remember when you felt really good before, even in the hard times mm-hmm. that I was able to, I talked him into going back to church with me and I received my endowment. And unfortunately he was still being unfaithful to me the whole time that we were like going to the temple. And that was really hard for me. That was a really hard thing for me to swallow later, but I was able to get that piece of going back to church and the church had changed a bit. The leadership had changed. And so I did feel a lot more comfortable and I'd also gotten more to a point where I was like, you know, I don't care what you think about me. I'm just going to do what I feel. (laughs) And so, but my Bishop was incredible. And this is kind of a crazy story. So my ex-husband, he had been married before me. And turns out they, I didn't know this at the time, but they had divorced for the same reason that me and him were about to get mm-hmm. divorced, was being unfaithful. I, we wanted to get sealed before he left on his next deployment. And we sent in a petition to the first presidency for us to get sealed. And it didn't come back in time for him to go on his deployment. So he sent him off on his deployment. And I actually got to talk to him every morning from three to five because of the time difference. I'd wake up really early, talk to him for a few hours and then go to work. And it was actually during one of those visits that I found out through our whole marriage, I found out about more um, emails and dating websites and prostitutes. I mean, there was so much. And um, it was actually during one of our um, Skype visits that I saw all of this information. And I, and I said, is there anything that you want to tell me? And he said, no, I'm done. And I said, I, you know, I am too. 
So we got off that call and I was just broken. I was financially, emotionally, mentally. I just, it was so hard. Yeah. And I went and I talked to my bishop. I actually worked for him at the time. It was really amazing. Um, I went and talked to him. I said, you know, Bishop, we're done. Like, I, I don't know what to do about the, you know, requesting to be sealed or whatever. And he said, Amber, I actually wanted to pull you aside because I got a response back from the first presidency and they denied your sealing. And he's like, I, my brothers are all bishops. We've never seen that happen before. Oh my gosh. Yes. And so that was just one of those like pat on the back. It's like, okay, you're doing the right thing. You're moving in the right way. And ever since then, honestly, like I can't even question our <laughs> first presidency. Yeah. Like, they are so inspired. Yeah. They're so amazing. And that was before I found out about everything going on. And mm-hmm. so wow. it was a really powerful experience. Um, and so the, those two hours that I would spend visiting with him before work, that turned into scripture study because I just had to have peace. I got the Institute manuals and I just, oh, I just devoured it with the Institute manuals and I just felt so good. It was, I was able to kind of uh, make that mental shift from looking for love outwardly to looking for love for my savior. And, um, I was really able to cement, I think like, I think that that situation was really able to cement my testimony. Yeah. God. And then the gospel. So it's one of those things you can really look back and be grateful for. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my amazing aunt Tisha has a sister who's also an angel. (laughs) her name is Christy and she took me in. I did not know what I was going to do. I just knew I had to get out of Mexico. Um, and she took me in and I was able to move back to my old hometown in Arizona. And I started going to college there. Um, it was a great experience. Honestly, I don't know what I would have done without those women. Like she let me live with her just to help clean her house. And honestly, looking back, I don't even think I did that good of a job. She was so great. Um, And so I started um, going to college there. I finished my degree there and I met my husband, my now husband in English class. Um, It's been such an amazing experience and we were able to be sealed in the Gila Valley temple. And we, and then after that we had, you know, our two biological kids and then started foster care. You started, you started to foster care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us more about how that came to be. Okay. So I always knew that I wanted to do foster care ever since I was little. And I think it has a lot to do with, you know, I saw people in my family that weren't able to get out of the situation that we were in. And then I saw like my parents being able to get us out of the situation we were in. And I just knew that I had to help in some way. And so I've always wanted to do foster care. And honestly, I have a love for children that I can't take credit for. Like that is just a gift that God has given me. And I don't even have to try. Like it's, I'm honestly so grateful for it. And so when me and my husband were dating, it was actually funny. He didn't want to get married right away. He had just gotten home from his mission. I had just gotten divorced. And so we were both like really cautious about it. And then we, I prayed about him and I felt really strongly. And so we went on a date and I just said, these are all the things that I'm okay with and not okay. You know, we just kind of laying everything out there. Like we just need nothing to prove. And one of the things was foster care. I said, you know, you have to be okay with me doing foster care. And he said, okay. 
you know, I'm game. So after our two boys, we found out I could no longer have any more children, which was okay for me. I mean, some women, it can be really hard. I did have a miscarriage after that, but you know, it, it felt right. Like it felt like it was the right time. Mm-hmm. And so we bought our home and we started foster care. We had a beautiful little girl um, for a month who totally stole our hearts. She went to live with a family friend. And I remember when she, they took her, me and my husband just sat on the couch and we just cried. And my husband said, I'm not doing this again. (laughs) And then a few days later, we got a little boy for a few days. And then about a week after the little girl had left, we got our, a two day old baby who is the baby that we just adopted. So yeah, we've had him for a year and a half and honestly, foster care. Oh, I could, I could talk to you about it for an hour, just about foster care. Like Mm -hmm. it has been such like the hard is so hard, but the good is so good. Even my boys, my older boys, they are so open and loving and kind to anyone. It doesn't matter their background. I mean, when we talk about their mom, like I love her so much, like she, and I love talking to you about it because I know you understand it. Addiction is so hard. It is so hard. There's nothing that, you know, if it was as easy as like, if a mom loves her kid enough, she'll stop so that she can right. Hey, if it was that easy, foster care wouldn't exist. Yep. She loves, yep. she really does. But the addiction is just so hard. And so, yeah. and I've seen her with them. Oh man, she is just so sweet with them. But um, my boys are just so kind. Like they'll say, oh, you're so lucky. You get two moms. And, like they'll say it at the grocery store and stuff. <laughs> yeah but they are just so compassionate about it and if he talks about like our um five-year-old talks about his mom or something he'll say like when can I see her and my older boys will say oh she's just sick right now and she's working on getting better Mm -hmm. um and so like they've just been amazing and my seven-year-old actually he just did a like the leprechaun thing. If they've got the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, what would they buy? And he put beds on there. And I said, buddy, why do you need a new bed? And he said, so we could have more foster kids. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's just how my boys' hearts have changed. Wow. Like, even if somebody's mean to them at school, they'll say, they must have a hard time at home. Like I should probably be their friend. Like, and they do have good boundaries too, but um, they're strong-willed kids, but they are just so loving and so kind. And then on the foster care side, our five-year-old. So we got him when he was three. We got him a month after and they're full blood brothers, which is really awesome. Sibling, the sibling relationship is so important. So when we got him, he would, he, we were his fourth home in his short little life. And he would tell us, he would say, I don't love you. Um, and some foster kids, as soon as they come into your home, they call you mom right away. And he would not, he, and I didn't force it. You know, I'm like, you can call me whatever you want. Even after he started calling me mom by his own choice, he still would say, I don't love you. I only love the baby and I love dogs, which is funny because we don't even have a dog, but he, um, he would say that. And after about, I want to say it was like almost right at the year mark, he came in and he said, mom, I do love you. Wow. And I'm bald. I, it was just so, so powerful. Like the highs are just so high and there's so much power in it. Um, and like, so I also volunteer in a girl's group home. Um, so there are a bunch of teens. It's 
really hard to get placement for teenagers. And so yeah. usually they end up being in group homes. Um, I've seen them go from homeless shelter to homeless shelter. I mean, it is really hard. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but I started volunteering at a group home and it started out with me teaching fitness classes to them and it ended with some really amazing relationships that I've been able to carry over. But probably one of my favorite things that happened with them is <laughs> they are teenage girls. They did not want to listen to Ed Sheeran and Taylor Swift. Okay, so I... <laughs> they don't want to listen to Taylor? Yes. <laughs> That's so I was very selective because I wanted them to be able to do these workouts. Yeah. So, of course, we were listening to little John doing a dance to it. And there's one point where the girls were just like shoving each other around and goofing around. And I felt the spirit so strong. And I'm like, I am in the midst of these teenage girls swearing and throwing each other around, dancing in the ways that they're going to dance to little John. And I am feeling the spirit so strong because that's what Jesus Christ does. Like he meets us where we're at. Yeah. And I've noticed like, it's funny because I do like the hard things. Mm-hmm. And I think it's my favorite because I love watching Jesus Christ work in the hard things. Yeah. I love watching him like heal from these hard places where, you know, I can, I can go to the temple and I can feel the spirit. I know I can, and I should be there, you know, in the heavy, like I know that I can bring my five loaves and two fishes. Like mm-hmm. I have so little things that I can offer. Like I, me and my husband are in no way perfect foster parents, but our heart is there. And like, if we bring what we have to offer to God, he's going to sanctify it and he's going to make it enough. Mm-hmm. That is so beautiful. You are such a light. And I think the thing that's so cool to see is how in your life, God worked all things to the good. And he took these experiences that you had when you were 12 and you were just struggling. And it's like you became that aunt that you loved so much that helped you so much. It's like you became a version of that for these kids and for these teenage girls. And it's so cool to see how something that's so challenging that like, you know, your mom didn't know how to navigate it. Like you were struggling, like you were struggling to the point that you wanted to end your life. And it was such a dark, horrible place. But now like God has taken that experience and he's worked it into something so beautiful. And it's just so amazing to see that, that, no, it's been, it's been a really awesome journey that I haven't always been able to say that I'm so grateful for my childhood. I mean, especially with my teenage girls, like they can say, my parents did this or this happened to me. And I can say me too. Mm-hmm. And there's so much healing in us being vulnerable together and getting yeah. into that pit together as Brene Brown says, but one of my favorite, favorite, um, lessons that I learned was from Emily Bell Freeman, her talk about grace. And I guess she was talking with her daughter and they said, was there anybody in Jesus Christ's life that he offered grace to that didn't ask for it? And they talked about the woman caught in adultery. Like she was actively sinning when they took her and brought her to Christ's feet. Like she wasn't seeking him out. She wasn't seeking out his grace, but he still offered it to her. And I feel like there's so much in my life that I can look back and say, I wasn't even seeking out Jesus Christ at that time, but he was still there taking care of me. I don't know how I didn't end up with some 
like life altering addiction, like he protected me from that. And he protected me from so many things in my childhood and so many things that could happen later on. Like he was constantly offering that grace, even when I felt totally unworthy and I was in the middle of sinning, I still got that grace because that is God's character. That's what yep. he wants to do. Yep. That is so true. I, I mean, in my own life as well, I can relate to that so much. Just, you know, times where I was preserved and when I just didn't deserve it. I mean, I was living my life in a way that I should have been dead 10 times over. And yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's just so beautiful to see like these miracles throughout, you know, life and how you're right. Like he meets us in those hard places and it's just a beautiful thing to, to see. Yeah. So, um, well, Anything, I mean, before we wrap up, anything that you want to share with everyone, like maybe some advice that you have for somebody that maybe, maybe they just got divorced or maybe they're struggling. Maybe their spouse has been unfaithful. Maybe they're struggling with their testimony. Tell us what advice you would have for somebody that's like right in the middle of it. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of hard things, right? We have so many, so many things that we struggle with, like, and everybody has their struggles. I'd say one of my favorite things about foster care is, I mean, I don't love it right in the moment of it, right? But in the end, I there's nothing like foster care that makes you wholly dependent on God. Um, some states require that you as a foster parent can um, testify on behalf of your kids. Um, I currently live in Arizona and that is not the law. I've never been able to speak in any of my children's hearings. I've seen so many awful things happen in the system, but it makes me so dependent on God. I've gotten on my knees so many more times than I ever would have before. Um, but God will meet you where you are. Like you, it doesn't matter where you are. Like he can go into any place because this is his earth. You are his child. Um, you know, that's his character. And I feel like, you know, I still have a lot of questions. Why, why did certain things happen? You know, questions about the gospel. Um, but the older I get, the more I realize I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have just been so humbled by age. Mm-hmm. So finding that balance between, yeah, it's, it's good to seek answers. It's good to ask questions, but also finding that balance of, okay, God knows so much more than me, like looking back. Um, and also, when you look back, like if you're having a hard time, when you look back in five or 10 years, you're going to be amazed at how much faith you had in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like when I look back on those hard times, I'm like, wow, how did I have that much faith in myself or in, in somebody else? Because God, you know, wants the mustard seed or he just wants the person that you just have a desire yeah, not to know. Um, that's, that's all he's asking for. Um, and that's all he needs. And he'll He'll work it in you and he'll send those angels to you when you need it. You just have to be willing and open to receiving them. I love that so much. Well, Amber, you are just so beautiful inside and out, just, (laughs) just glowing. And what an honor to have you on the podcast. So thank you so much for, for coming, for reaching out. And thank you so much for sharing your story with everybody. Yeah. Thank you. Oh man. If I could tell you. How much good. And I feel like every episode I hear, everybody says the same thing, but you are doing so much good. Like it is just phenomenal. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you so much.
Hey guys, first off, I want to give you a heartfelt thank you to all of you that support the podcast. We wouldn't be able to get this message out without all of your help, so thank you so much. I've had a few questions come in from people that aren't on social media, so I just wanted to let you guys know that we do have a website. It's www.comebackpodcast.org. You can find all of our episodes here. Um, There's a list of our book club selections, and you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks again. We love you guys so much.